This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and today I've got Laura Stewart on the line. Hi, Laura. How are you? I am awesome, Michael, and it's so great to be on your show today. I love listening to it. Thank you so much, and great to have you on the show today. You do a ton of different things. I mean, you've got your own podcast, you're an author, you're a speaker, you are a strategist, you do all of these things, and we could talk about all of those, but one of the things that jumped out in our, in our pre-show conversation that I think is really important uh, to my audience and, and everyone that listens is the topic of uh, being a caregiver and, and burning out. Uh, so love to jump into a conversation about that. So it, what, what brought that to your attention, you know, as far as burnout amongst caregivers? What, you know, how did you first discover that situation and, and, and you know, why are you so passionate about it now? Well, I took care of my mom for six years. She passed away October 1st, 2017. So it's still pretty emotional around it. And prior to that, my dad had been sick with Parkinson's and I actually ended up selling my managed tech services company to move down to Florida to be closer to my parents to help take care of them. I mean, that's how much I I felt it was really important to me. You know, a geek giving up being geeky is not an easy thing, but it was time. And I knew that being with my parents was the right best thing to do. And my brother died when I was 10 years old and he was born with a heart defect. So there was always this constant sort of hypervigilance and caregiving that was always going on in in my household. And I was brought up with it. So it was always a part of my life, Michael, that you take care of people, whether it's a grandparent, a cousin, a friend, an employee, whatever it was, that's just what I was trained to do. And then I saw what happened with my mom while she was taking care of my dad with the Parkinson's. And it's like, okay, she needs a break. How do we give my mom a break? But I didn't fully realize how difficult it was until mom had to move in with me and my husband at the time, he's now my ex-husband, due to open heart surgery. And it caused some mental deficiencies after the surgery. And living it every day, like worrying, saying, have I done everything that I can, listening with an ear that's so hypervigilant, Michael, to go, has she fallen? Is she okay? What she's not saying that she's not capable of saying that I need to be aware of. And I actually slipped into PTSD during it all because when my mom was in a rehab facility after I got divorced due to an illness that she had, I fell and broke my foot in two places. And I was laying at the bottom of the stairs with nobody in the house. My phone had gone flying out of my hand and I just lost it. I was like, well, there's nobody to take care of me. Now what do I do? And then four days after the broken foot, I fell off a knee scooter and ripped up my hand. So I was in a cast on my left hand, a boot on my left foot, and I had braces on my teeth. And I realized I couldn't function. And that was the moment it really, really hit how serious caregiver burnout is. Yeah, that's um, an amazing story of 
the things that just build up into the point where you know, oftentimes with burnout, you know, having had my own burnout is it's a slow build. It's not something that happens overnight and you may not even be aware of it. And quite frankly, even you know, during mine, I wasn't aware of it. Everybody else was, but I wasn't. And it took um, a physical situation, a health situation to really bring things to light. And in your situation, it was the combination of a broken foot and your hand, you know, so, you know, it's bad enough when you're, you're hobbling around and you're, you're down one foot as far as mobility, then all of a sudden you you have a a hand injury as well. Then you're trying to use crutches or walker or whatever, things like that. And you, it's, I was, it was the same, was it a left foot, left hand or right foot? My entire left side of my body was just incapacitated. Yeah, in that situation too, oftentimes the body tries to overcompensate. So if you're trying to move around, you can actually get your body out of alignment as far as your hips or things like that. So even after you heal, you're still physically might be broken or slightly altered because your body is trying to compensate for those situations that that we're healing. And it's just one of those things where not addressed, it just can spiral out of control. And caregiver burnout again you because you're so compassionate and, and as you had you know, mentioned you, you know in your family growing up that you took care of things you took care of family when people needed help you do it and i see that a lot with people that burn out just not just even caregivers but at people in general they they have that you know, sometimes they call it people pleasing but the 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 desire to serve and to really help others but oftentimes we forget that we have to you know, take care of first the person in the mirror. Um, and that's something that we often uh, neglect and we don't take care of that person first. And, and in the situation, you know, when you were with your, with your mother, you were, you know, always on call, you know, there was 24 seven type of situation and our bodies aren't designed for that. Um, we need to be able to sleep. And my hunch is your, your sleep wasn't the greatest because, you know, you're always wondering, okay, is she going to need something? Am I have to get up in the middle of the night to do something? So your, your body's automatically just, you know, listening for a cue instead of being able to deeply rest and, and get the sleep that you need. Yeah. Like I have no children, but I equate it to what my mom always said that she always had an ear open for me and my brother when we were younger. So she never really slept well. They, you just get this hyper acute hearing thing going on of, is there a sound change? Is there something different? And the scary part about it all, Michael, was the last few days of my mom's life, I actually had a, a baby monitor in her room and I had had it in there for a while, for several months, but I was really listening for it the last bunch of days because she was really struggling with an issue. and. I heard my mom get up and go to the bathroom and her normal routine was after she went to the bathroom, she would go back into bed for a little bit longer. So like I wait to hear if she was going to get up and move around, like I guess most parents do with their kids. And then it's like, Oh, I've got to get up. Well, I didn't hear her move around anymore. So I was just laying in bed and then I decided to go in the shower because I didn't hear any differences. Right. I didn't hear any falls. I didn't hear anything 
So I was like, okay, this is just a normal day. And I took a shower and I got out of the shower and I was like, that's weird. Mom would normally be moving around. And I went in to check on her in the bedroom and she was laying on the floor. She had had a massive stroke. She was still alive, but she couldn't communicate. And when I finally, we got her to, I got her to the emergency room and they did some things and she was able to speak a little bit and they're like, when did it happen? And I, I was trying to describe what I knew time frame. And mom said, I, she tried to somehow get out and we heard her say, when I came back from the bathroom, she went to get back into bed and the stroke must have hit. But I was listening and I didn't hear anything. So here I am worrying for these years. And in that moment, I wasn't there. Yeah. And that's... So, it's it's difficult for you know for things like that because you're always on on call in these types of situations um it it a split second you know and it, it, that's all it can take and you know you know thankfully you know it you know her you know her suffering wasn't prolonged but still it's never yeah. it's never good and and one of the things you know we talked about in in the pre-show was you know, not only are, do we have concern about caregiver burnout, but as our society is getting much older, you know, the baby boomers are you know, retirement age now, and, and they're getting into those years where health concerns start to happen. And you know, your Generation X-based, you know, parents and, and, and children, and and even you know some you know millennial, older millennial-aged um, people are now becoming caregivers, but they're also working and they may not have that opportunity to relocate or quote unquote necessarily quit their job uh, to, you know, take care of their parents or loved ones. So they're doing both and it's creating a huge, huge strain on on, on individuals and people and all of that. So, and what's your observation about that? I you know, I know in your situation, you, you, you relocated, but for, for those that, that can't, um, and what are, what are some things that, that you're seeing that they're struggling with? And, um, and then hopefully, you know, what are some potential solutions to help with those people? Well, that's a really interesting question. You know, me, I'm all about questions. I, Cause I really honestly feel that most of us ask questions to get the answers we want versus the answers we need. And when I decided to relocate down here, it was, it was a hard decision, but at the same time, not. And I still had my company for a year after I moved down until some situations happened with people I had left in charge. And I had the opportunity to move that person out of the company, which would have required me to start going back and forth again between Connecticut and Florida and really spend a lot more time in it. And I realized I was burned out in my business on top of it after 15 years of owning the company. So I was in a good position where I could sell the business. I didn't sell it for enough to retire, but I had that opportunity because I had built the business for this situation. And that is something that is so difficult for, um, for a lot of people, especially if you're, and I apologize, the dog is barking. <laughs> the, that's quite all right. Uh, the, uh, and <laughs> that's I did what an, happens it, when we record things live, right? Of Hold course. On. 
Okay, hopefully I that mute actually worked there and I told the dog I'm doggy sitting for to stop barking. But you know, like not every entrepreneur has the ability to do that. But what I would suggest is to anybody who's working and has a parent that's aging is to begin planning before the event. You know, I talked about how no matter how much hypervigilance I had, I didn't hear my mom fall. And I was just on the other side of the house, right? But we had talked about her wishes, right? I had all the legal stuff taken care of. So I didn't have to scramble in those moments. Same thing with my dad. And it was to help overcome burnout. You can't really overcome it, right? I think what you can do is sort of minimize the overwhelm of it by being prepared with some basics like understanding what are the worst case scenarios understanding what your loved one's wishes are i bought a house when i moved down here that my parents could move into if need be if you can't do something like that then start investigating alternatives where your family lives are there places that they can go can you make accommodations in their home with I, I see this all the time with some of my friends they're like Laura we want to keep our parents in our house and I'm like okay I said well if you had a walker or a wheelchair could they get into their bathroom and they're like we don't know and I'm like well go check <laughs> you know put safety bars in do different things like that and I know that for years that helped me before mom moved in because I knew they were safe where they were. And it's crucial, you know, making sure that the, you know, and I love that you, you talked about that because we think, you know, that, okay, yeah, everything will be fine, but you know, accessibility carpet, you know, all of these things, you don't think about it, but if you're on a walker, you know, and you know, a carpet can grab, you know, the end of a walker and next thing you know, you're tumbling over. Um, so it's, you know, one of those tough situations, you know, for, especially like my parents who, you know, have always had carpet and I'm like, you guys need to get into some hardwood floors. And it's like, well, we're, we're afraid of falling down and hurting ourselves. I said, well, if you're using a walker, the type of carpet you're using you're going to fall down and you're going to fall down on your walker, then hit the floor. Yeah. The cushions are worse. Yeah. And, and you know, way worse than carpet, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's so like, you're going to have to you know, kind of modify some things a little bit, you know, short of having you wear, you know, um, you know, not to make light of this, but you know, walking around in a bubble suit so you don't hurt yourself, which is, you know, not the solution either, but it's like, we have to, you know, work on, you know, what we have and look to make things and reduce the chance of, of them harming themselves as best we can. And I think that burnout, at least for me, it's worse when, I don't have plans because then in that time of extreme stress, I have nothing to fall back on. I'm a huge space geek, which is great considering I live in Florida and out my back, I can watch every launch that goes up. But one of the things that I loved about the space program is how prepared they were. They went through different scenarios over and over and over again, which is why Apollo 13, people came back safe, 
right? Because they ran through all these different scenarios. So these guys were so calm when everything happened. I'm sure inside they were screaming, right? But their training took them and said, okay, one step at a time, what's the one next thing? But if I hadn't had done all this advanced stuff to be prepared for this moment and had some resources in place, I, I don't, I, I think I would have just become a permanent basket case. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, it's one of those things where again, preparation can help minimize, you know, the chaos of, of, of all of this uh, situation, because again, if you're a caregiver, um, you are taking care of your loved ones. Also, maintaining your life as best as you can. You know, if you're married or kids or things like that, you've got that into it. You have an obligation for your employer, which if you have a really good employer, they are typically understanding, but only to a point. You know, they 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 do need you to perform. So you've got that pressure. So you're, you, it seems like everything's coming at you from every end possible. And it gets to the point where you get to, you get to those days where you don't have anything scheduled. And instead of being able to relax, you are still operating at this high level, even though there's really nothing that you're doing at that particular moment, because you forget, you know, and this was my case, you know, I, I forgot how to relax. I, I just literally could not relax and, and just do nothing or journal or read or, go for a walk just just to do something really simplistic i couldn't do any of those things i'd forgotten how to do it and when you're constantly on the go whether it's taking care of somebody or you know doing whatever you're doing that's leading to the burnout um, it is a it's a very very difficult and challenging place to be for sure yeah and i ended up pretty much stopping working for almost six years I dabbled in a few things, but I didn't really put myself out there. And my book had come out and it did really well. You know, it was number one in international bestseller. It won an award and everything. And I was speaking and I started my broadcast radio show in there and everything. But I found that I was having trouble working on my business because I didn't know when my mother was going to need me. Now, I was in a good enough place that it was okay that I did that, but I struggled with it, Michael, because I wanted to be doing, right? I wanted my own life, but I also wanted to be with my mom. And I think that's a big issue with caregivers, especially if the family member moves in with them. And I know when I was in Connecticut and they were here, every time I heard something happen, I wanted to get on an airplane, but I couldn't always do it. And it's such a struggle, which I think leads to all that stress, which feeds the burnout because you're torn internally because you want to do one thing, but you also want to do the other and which one wins. Yeah. And you feel guilty no matter what choice you make. And it's, that's, and you mentioned this earlier too, you know, PTSD, that is more prevalent than a lot of people think. 
um, because of you know very traumatic situations. You know, we we often associate it with you know people that have you know fought in the military or are a paramedic or a firefighter and they see some uh, traumatic things, but you know, traumatic experiences can stick with you, whether it's, you know, a bad situation at an employer and or, you know, caring for a loved one and things happening or having to choose between, all right, do I fly down there or do I wait and, and take care of things when I can or rely on other family members to do it? And it's if, if they have that, because, you know, a lot of times there's people that's like, you know, the families, there's one person on the planet and from a family member standpoint that can help. And that right. is a, that is a ton of pressure to put on somebody. And I think as a society, because our population is getting that point where there, there's more need for caregivers than there are caregivers. Uh, we have to take a long, hard look on how we approach things and, um, spend, not to get into a, you know, a government and spending type of, um, soapbox moment here, but I, I think as a society, we need to take a long, hard look on allocating resources to have respite type of work or things like that where people can get access to care to take care of them um, and, and do it in such a way where um, it can ease the burden on families and everybody else, you know, whether it's burden on people flying down from Connecticut to Florida all the time to deal with something or the financial burdens of having somebody come in, you know, for personal support workers and all that. There's all of these things. It's a huge, huge challenge. And I think as a society, we need to get engaged on different ways to increase the access to these services in a way that's affordable um, for people. And so people aren't suffering and burning out because I, you know, real quick story, my grandmother passed away in 2002. She had Lewy body dementia. She mm -hmm. had it, she had it for seven years. That's my, a long time. Yeah. My mom, my aunt, and my two uncles did a 24 hour, seven day a week rotation of taking care of her for those seven years. For the last, I guess, two, you know, it was about two months of her life. She actually went into a hospice place. But for the rest of that time, she was home in an obviously hospital bed, but she was bedridden, unable to speak. She could moan and um, all that, but, you know, changing the bedpan, doing all of those things, um, easing her when she would, you know, cry or moan, which was a lot yeah, for, for seven years. Okay. So after she passed away, my oldest uncle died one month later. And then my other uncle passed away a year later. Now, obviously, at this point, my brother and my dad and I are freaking out because, okay, what's going to happen with mom? Because we see this with caregivers because they're so focused on taking care of their loved ones that they have a health concern. You know, in both cases of my uncles, they both had cancer. You know, one was obviously a lot further along than we knew. He may have known. He didn't tell anybody. Um, so it, it was a situation where he was hoping that it would ride out. And, you know, it was like literally a month later. So obviously we were quite concerned about mom. And as of this recording, mom's still here as his dad. So we're, I'm very thankful for that. But it's one of those things where as a caregiver, you, and the burnout is, is one thing, but 
you got to get yourself checked, you know, get your health checkups, making sure you're doing everything you can to take the best care possible of you. Because if you're always on the go, you're wearing your body out. And that's when, you know, those um, horrible, horrible diseases and conditions love to play as, you know, they attack people that uh, you know, have a lower resistance. And, you know, next thing you know, you go from caregiver to patient before you know it. Yeah. And after mom passed, my my health deteriorated quite a bit and I couldn't get up off the couch. I, I just, I was so exhausted. And I saw this happen with my mom after my dad passed away in 2010. It's like all of a sudden she had been so on edge for so long that it's hard to drop down to normal levels. And when you do that, lowering of all these stress hormones that pump through your body constantly while you're caregiving for somebody. And I know there are people that seem to coast through caregiving. I was not one of those, even though everybody said I was amazing. I know what I felt like inside. I was constantly on edge. But when those levels all of a sudden have nowhere to go because you're so much of your life was taken up with this other person and then they're gone, I felt a loss of purpose on top of it all. And I see this happen a lot with caregivers that I know that after their loved one passes away, they don't know what their purpose is anymore. And if you can't find your purpose, I think that breeds illness as well because you just feel lost. Yeah, and you, you feel lost. There's a, a sense of you know, a loss of identity. And it's like, well, who am I? And because you, you changed roles and now that's done and you're going, okay, what, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, um, especially if you've been in this zone of helping and helping and helping and taking care of somebody and all of a sudden that's no longer needed, you have to go, okay, well, what do I want to do? And yeah, that, that, that state of confusion and, and loss of purpose is um, definitely, definitely, you know, a challenge for a lot of people. And I, and I think, again, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough because, you know, after, after, you know, the people you're taking care of are no longer around and you can actually pause and breathe and go, okay, now I'm going to get back to my life and doing the things that, you know, I want to do. When you don't know what you want to do, it's different when you're a teenager and you, you get it. But when you're an adult and you've lived your life and all of a sudden you can return back, one, oftentimes you don't want to because you're like, I, I don't, there's no drive for me there. There's no motivation for me to get back into that business. I need to do something different. And the key thing is to give yourself permission to do that. Right. And, and for me, it, because I put pretty much my life mostly on hold, it was, do I want to go back to what I was doing or do I want to explore who I am now? And I made the choice to give myself some time. And I, like I said, I was fortunate that I could do that. And I've given myself like a year plus of working with some people that I've gone to to help coach me through some different things to reconnect allow myself to fully grieve because i think that's something as a nation 
we tend to not put enough emphasis on the whole grieving aspect of it. It's like, okay, they're gone. You can grieve for, you know, a few weeks, a month, but then you just have to move on, right? People don't want you to break down and cry. They feel you should have moved past it, but a true caregiver can't, you know, it's your loved ones. It's people that you, you wanted to take care of. So I would encourage those that are listening out there to, while they're caregiving, start to think of what do I enjoy to do and keep your hand in it. My, one of my favorite things to do was every week go to the radio station and to the iHeartRadio station here in town, WAXE, and I did my show every Tuesday and I'd bring mom with me. So she'd come in, she'd sit in the back in the green room of the radio station and I'd be on the air. And to me, that was my connection to who I was. And it got me to use my brain in a different way, got me out of the house. Mom had a blast in the green room. Everybody that was sitting in there just loved her, right? And she could be proud of me because she goes, that's my daughter on the air, you know? (laughs) And after she passed away, that show was what got me through. Having that continuity, that consistency, but something that gave me joy. That was mine, even though I shared it with her. I think that's really important for a caregiver to think about. And even for an entrepreneur, because like I said, I got really burned out with my company and I could have rebuilt it back up and it's not like it needed to be super built up. You know, I sold the company. Obviously I built and sold the company. So that's, that's an awesome thing, right? But while I was building that company, I was so focused on my business and my employees and my clients, I realized that the only things I did off hours were go to chamber of commerce events. I was on several boards, so I'd go to them. You know, I'd go down to New York City and go to Broadway and do things like that, or I'd go shopping or dinner with a friend, but I really had no outside interests. Everything was focused on work. And I think that a biggest piece of advice I could give would be to find something outside of whatever you're doing the majority of your time that you look forward to. Yeah, that's crucial because it helps, you know, keep that joy in your life. And as you said, it it was something that continued while you were in the caregiving mode. So that way, once that chapter of your life was done and over with, there was still something there that you would continue to do. And and thankfully, it helped you uh, navigate through you know, the grieving and the mourning. And I'm completely on board with you on that. It's um, grieving is not something that you say, okay, we're going to take 26 minutes and we're going to grieve. No, it's everyone is different in how they process that. And some people take longer, some people don't. And, but it, you have to, you have to do it. um, Because if you don't, then the the long-term effects of it you know, can can be quite damaging and I've seen it so much. So Laura, yeah, I've been, my, what is, the worst thing that I heard Michael from Facebook and several other people after I had posted that mom passed away 
within a week, people were saying, stop being sad. She wouldn't want you to be sad. And I went, I know my mom wouldn't want me to be sad, but she'd understand. Of course. Yeah, that's so, you know, burnout, people will tell you that, okay, stop being burned out. You can't, you can't just say stop. (laughs) It's not like the um, Bob Newhart routine. I don't know if you've ever seen that one on YouTube. Oh yeah. Stop it. Yes. I I love that. Yes. Wouldn't it be great if we could just stop it, but to stop something before it's natural processing leads to that PTSD that I dealt with, which wasn't the fall, the two falls within four days and the two broken things within four days. That was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Because I realized that I had put everything into lovingly everybody else, but I was laying there on the floor going, but what about me? And the fall, and I really, I laughed about this, right? I had said a prayer to God. I said, okay, God, I just need a a break. I need to go do something outside of caregiving, right? And as I'm laying on the floor and I'd made plans to see some friends for lunch the next day because mom was still going to be at the short-term rehab recovering and getting stronger. And I'm laying on the floor realizing I had broken bones in my foot. And I looked up at God and I went, I didn't mean that kind of break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you got to be really specific. A really fun story real quick on uh, uh, someone, you know, pretty near and dear to me. Um, She had said this was years ago. Um, she was having or going out to lunch with a friend and she was going through a rough period of time. And she said, I want a monster truck, which was just a silly thing. And, uh, there should be laws uh, against this individual having a monster truck because the damage that she would do <laughs> to the world would be quite traumatic. But well, anyway, she said, okay. I, I, I want, I want, I want a monster truck. So they decided to go to McDonald's and she ordered a happy meal just cause she, you know, she wanted small portions and whatnot. The toy inside the Happy Meal was a was a monster truck. <laughs> and Be careful what you wish for. She got exactly. a monster truck. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't specific enough. Right, uh, she, right. She, she wanted a monster truck. She got one. Um, so, you know, I, I always tell people: be specific in your desires and wishes to God or, you know, whatever faith you are and you're, you're praying or asking for, for things, be specific because if you're not specific enough, you will get what you ask for, but it may not be what you had in mind. But here's what happened. I, I broke my foot right in two places and they're, they're trying to give me painkillers, which I don't do well with. The next morning, I was supposed to be speaking in front of uh, 200 plus women at a charity event. And I'm laying on the floor, not sure what to do. And then a name came to mind whose phone number I remembered. And I was able to get to a phone on the floor and, and call them and realized from that moment on that I wasn't alone because I had to text some people to say that I was in the emergency room. I wasn't going to be able to make it to my mom at the rehab center. And they went down and they sat with mom and told mom what happened. So she wasn't alone when she heard. People literally stayed with me 24 seven for four days, bringing me food. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't put any weight on my foot and I was alone. 
I made it to the speech that morning. Somebody picked me up, helped me get dressed, got me in a wheelchair, and I did it from a wheelchair, partially drugged up, but I was able to do it. Because in that moment, God, for me, faith is very important. God showed me that I wasn't alone. But I felt that way prior to that. Because I felt I had given up so much of my life as a caregiver, and that contributed to the burnout for me. But then realizing I wasn't alone, that there was this community around me, which is something as caregivers, we often don't see because we isolate. Because we don't think anybody can understand what you're going through. And there are a lot of your friends that won't understand, right? Your mom and your uncles and everybody saw this, how narrow their worlds became. It's like new mothers, all of a sudden their friends that aren't parents, they kind of drop off the face of the earth. And I know I did this to one of my friends after she had twins. And after they hit a certain age, then we reconnected because <laughs> I couldn't relate. But now I understand it better. And as caregivers, to help prevent burnout and to help you overcome it is to reach out to people. And for anybody who's listening, if you know somebody that's a caregiver, reach out to them because knowing it might be very hard from them to say, hey, let me hang out with your mom for a couple of hours and, and you just go take a walk. Or I had one friend say, I'm going to stay with your mom tonight. Just go somewhere overnight. They just wanted me to have some time. Another one was like, hey, you know, I'm making some food. I'm going to bring some over for you and mom. So you don't have to prepare a meal that day. It's those little things that make a huge difference in people's lives. And yes, I, I, I definitely uh, encourage people if they know people that are caregivers, you know, reach out to them. And uh, even, even if it's a situation where it's 10 minutes or five yeah. minutes where they know someone is watching, you know, their loved one and can notify you if something comes up, it gives you five or 10 minutes or case of, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and maybe go sit in a coffee shop for a half an hour or something like that. Those little things make such a huge difference in people's lives. So uh, I, I highly encourage people that are aware of, um, their their friends and family and everything else that are caregiver do that. Um, you'll make a huge huge impact in in those people's lives for sure. Right, L Laura, I've enjoyed this so much. Um, it's been long overdue for us to connect, and I'm so thankful for for you and and what you're doing. Where can people find out more about the awesome work that you're doing? Go to laurasteward.com. Everything's up there. All the radio shows and people can subscribe and get sample chapters of my book and a workbook that helps them ask better questions. Awesome. And audience, I'll have that information in the show notes. So Laura, thanks again for, for being on the show. I appreciate you and um, all the awesome work that you're doing. Thank you so much and keep doing all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time, everybody be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. 
If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.